Hello, Cathedral. Let's all stand up as we praise the Lord. Who's ready to praise the Lord? Let me hear you. Yeah. Welcome to a place where everyone is welcome. Let me read to you a scripture from Psalms 108, uh, verses 1 to 5. It says, My heart, O God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you. Lord among the nations I will sing of you among the peoples for you for great is your love higher than the heavens your faithfulness reaches to the skies be exalted O God above the heavens let your glory be over all the earth amen amen come on church let's put our hands together for Jesus all over this house amen yes. Let's put our hands together for one year. Come on. Yeah. 
Come on, church, let's give God a shout of praise all over this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church, the word says that if we don't praise him, that the rocks will cry out. So I wonder if this morning we could just let out a hallelujah, hallelujah, all over this house from the front to the back. Come on, let's continue to worship him in this place, amen, because he's worthy of it. I won't let a rock cry out for me. Come on, church, let's shout unto God. shout hallelujah in the sanctuary come on shout hallelujah in the sanctuary yeah I hear the Savior say my strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find me thine all in Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Sin had left a crimson stain. 
sing that again. Sing Jesus paid it One more time, somebody shout hallelujah, yeah. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who raised my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Part of our statements of belief is where everyone is welcome, where no one is perfect. No one is perfect. No one is perfect. And I want to, for those of you who are here today, maybe there's something that has marked your life, scarred your life that you deeply regret. I want you to know that there is grace here to pay for that. The, the price has been paid for that. I remember a while back 
I heard someone in a group settings, they kind of gave a testimony. They said, you know what? I wish I had a testimony. And they would, they would reference some of the other testimonies that they heard around the circle. And they said, you know, like this person was addicted to drugs and alcohol and God had delivered them and set them free. This person was sick in their body and he healed them. I wish I had that kind of testimony. And the, what I remember was the person in charge, their response to that statement. They said, you know what? You actually share the greatest testimony of them all. And he said, the greatest testimony, although that's great, the greatest testimony is that you were once dead in your sins and you have now been saved to life. Cathedral of Faith, sometimes we are so familiar with this word grace. We're so familiar with the word love and acceptance here in church that sometimes it loses its mystery. It loses even the breadth of power that this good news has. This is the greatest story ever told. This is the most powerful thing on earth. The power that could save and set free people who cannot pay the debt. And so I want you to stand in confidence today that you are not saved because you've done X, Y, and Z correctly, or you've not attended church and you've said the right things to your family. You have been set free because of the work of Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ alone. So I think that deserves a shout of praise. I think that that alone deserves a moment of praise. Come on, Cathedral of Faith, you have been set free. You were dead in your sin. You have been set free to life. Now before you sets hope, there is a glory. There is a home awaiting us in glory. Come on, give him a shout of praise, a shout of thanksgiving, a shout of honor. A shout of hallelujah. Hey. Oh, praise the one who saved my dead and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my dead and raised this life up from the dead.
Well, greetings, Cathedral of Faith family. So glad to see you. Actually, we're all here at the Jordan River getting ready for a great baptism service. Everyone greet everybody! We're so excited, and Dr. Wayne has all the latest and greatest happenings here at Cathedral. Well, we're about to do a renewal of baptismal vows here, but you can actually be baptized at Cathedral next weekend. Give Pastor Shelley a call at the church office, and she would love to help you be baptized as well. This week, we start a brand new series on the Ten Commandments. We are excited about what God's going to speak to us over the next 10 weeks as we walk through this together. One weekend, the first weekend of October, we're going to have a Creation Care Weekend. We're going to dedicate your animals, bring them out. You'll get more details yet to come. And as you know, we start our Connect, Grow, Serve classes this week. We want you to connect. We want you to grow. We want you to serve. So make sure you check out the brochure. Find a place to plug in, make friends, and grow to the next level. Well, we are so excited to be here with you through this video, and we want you to know that we're praying for you, and we look forward to coming home, telling you all the amazing things that God has done. Blessings on you. Bless you. Thank you, Dr. Wayne and Kurt. Wow. I talked to my brother last night, and he said, God is just blessing the trip in every way. So we look forward to their safe return. Uh, God uh, continues to just surprise us here at Cathedral of Faith. I don't know um, how much I've had a chance to share about this, but um, God is continuing to increase the influence and impact of Cathedral all the way in the nation of Italy. Did you know that our television program is aired two times a day on their nat one of their national channels? And God continues to influence some of the pastors and other leaders in that country through the work at Cathedral. And then through our, our partnership over with Italy for Christ, they met someone recently that was, well, the person they met was Mother Teresa's nephew. And this person does a lot of work for the Vatican, does a lot of filmmaking connected with the Vatican. And when he heard about everything that the church is doing here in the Silicon Valley, he nominated us for the Mother Teresa Award in the Vatican. How about that? Isn't that something? A Protestant church in Silicon Valley was nominated to receive the Mother Teresa Award from the Pope. Never underestimate what God can do. So thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the way you give week after week, whether it's online, whether it's through the app, whether it's texting, however you're giving, whether it's at the end of service, because God is continuing to take what you give, bless it, and multiply our influence for his kingdom and for his glory, both here in the Bay Area and around the world. Let me pray over you. Father, we thank you that we are a part of what you're doing through the Cathedral of Faith. Lord, in ways that you work in ways that just all we can say is, wow, what a God we serve. And Father, today as we give back to you, Lord, as we recognize that you're the source of every good gift and that we give back to you in return, today we make a statement, a declaration, that when it comes to who is at the center of our lives, money is not at the center of our lives. Jesus is at the center of our lives. And we make that declaration as we give today in Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory, all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, let's get out our Bible apps or our Bibles, and let's dive in to the new series.
Well, it's so great to see you. Cathedral family, God is good. And all the time. And whether you're here on site or watching online, we love our online community. I am so glad that you're here as we start this new series. You heard Dr. Wayne mention it called 10. It's a study on the 10 commandments. We're gonna take a deep dive into the 10 words. That's what they were originally called. And it seems to me that it's, so important and so relevant at this time in our world today because we live in what is known as a post-truth world. In fact, there's a magazine called The Economist and they came out with a featured article called Yes, I'd Lie to You, The Post-Truth World. And in the article, it talks about how, well, how this post-truth world is wreaking havoc in politics and in social media and in journalism. In fact, one expert in the article wrote this. He said, right now, it pays to be outrageous, but not to be truthful. In a post-truth world, there is no such thing as the truth. There's another t-shirt that I found online. It says, always speak your truth. And that's the way truth is understood in our world. You have your truth, I have my truth. There's no such thing as the truth. And yet, and yet, even though we live in a post-truth world, Oxford Dictionary named post-truth the word of the year back in 2016. Even though that's the place that we live, I think that there's a longing in every human heart that there's gotta be something that's true. That's not just true for me, but true for everyone. Imagine with me that I was driving my car on the way to church. And while I'm driving the car, there's hardly anybody on the road and I decide, I'm going to go as fast as I can. And all of a sudden, I hear the siren, and the policeman pulls me over, and he asks me, do you know how fast you were going? I said, yes, I do. He said, you were breaking the speed limit. I say, well, that's your truth. My truth is, is that I can drive as fast as this car will go. And the policeman says to me, well, that may be your truth, But the truth is, this is the speed limit, and I'm going to give you and your truth a ticket. (laughs) Now, if you don't think God has a sense of humor, this was already in my sermon, and guess what happened to me on the way to church today? I got a ticket. It's a long story. See me afterwards, and I'll fill you in. (laughs) But can you imagine if we were all on the road driving according to our own truth? It would be chaos. And when we come into a place and we say, well, you have your truth, I have my truth, but there's no such thing as the truth, what we're creating is an environment where there's spiritual and moral chaos. And yet when you dig a little deeper, And you ask those who say that all truth is relative and you say, well, do you believe human trafficking is wrong? Or do you believe racism is wrong? They'll back off a bit. And they'll say, well, maybe some things are true for all people all the time. So the question is, where are you gonna find the truth? Am I going to create it myself? Or am I going to look beyond myself to the God who made me? The God who made me, the God who loves me, and the God who reveals his truth to me out of his great love for me. God is the place where we find truth. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. And so we turn to the Ten Commandments 
And as we take a deep dive, I invite you to see how life-giving they are. Would you stand with me as we get ready to read the first commandment? The commandments are found in Exodus, Deuteronomy. The New Testament makes several references to them, and we'll be moving around the scriptures as we take a deep dive into each one of them. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 3, it reads, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Let me pause right there and ask you, are you grateful that God brought you out of the land of Egypt, brought you out of the land of slavery? that he has delivered you, he has rescued you, he delivered you from sin and from Satan and even death, God has delivered us from that. God has delivered us, he is delivering us and he will deliver us. Can somebody give him praise? Hallelujah! Yes, that's the God we serve. And this God, out of his grace, He didn't have to do that. He didn't need to do that. He did it out of sheer grace. That's how much you matter to him. He rescues us. And then he says, you shall have no other gods before me. Would you read that with me? You shall have no other gods before me. Another translation says no other gods besides me. And quite literally, in the Hebrew, you could translate it this way. Get other gods out of my presence. Or even more literally, get other gods out of my face. I like that last one. Out of my face. Say it with me. Out of my face. Get out of my grill. That's what God says to other gods. Father, thank you. Thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for our cathedral family and the journey we're on together. Speak to us in these next few moments so we can hear from you and that life will be different this week. We'll find the freedom that comes from your law. Father, start with me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Can we give him praise for his word? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, If you're going to sum up the first command, you can sum it up this way. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Would you say that with me? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's the sermon. We can all go home. But the game doesn't start for another hour, so I'm still going to share a few few things. Amen. Before you're seated, look at somebody make that declaration. I'm keeping the main thing, the main thing. All right. Keeping the main thing, the main thing. When these words were first given in the book of Exodus, The nation of Egypt, it was a a polytheistic culture. They had many gods that competed for their worship and for their attention. As a matter of fact, there were uh, the the 10 gods, or, or I should say the 10 plagues that finally convinced Pharaoh to let the people go. They each represented 10 of the gods that the Egyptians worshiped. They worshiped the Nile, and the Nile was hit with a plague. It turned to blood. They worshiped the sun, and the sun was hit with a plague. It was dark for three days. They worshiped the sky, and the sky was hit with a plague. Hail came from the sky. And every time a a plague hit one of those 10 gods, it was a way of demonstrating that the one God of Israel was greater than all the other gods of Egypt. It was a show-and-tell experience. And it's as if God says to the Israelites, you've seen the way. 
that I've dominated and demonstrated my power. I am Yahweh, the one who is the source of all existence. Everything that is, is here because of me. And I have rescued you, delivered you, brought you out of slavery. And so now, I ask that you have no other gods before me, besides me. Get these other gods out of my face. Now, I got to say, that sounds pretty straightforward. And yet, as human beings, I don't know what it is. We all have a tendency to kind of hedge our bets. I was, you know, back when the Raiders were still in Oakland, one time a year, I would have the opportunity to go up and speak at a chapel service for the Raiders. Believe it or not, there's some Christians on the Raiders. And I would go up, and then I would go see a game that weekend. And, and I would usually sit in a place that was called the black hole. And if you know anything about the black hole, let me just put it this way. It's filled with colorful characters. And I'll never forget one of the guys. He was dressed up like a voodoo guy. He had a voodoo hat on, voodoo paint on, voodoo beads on. And I looked more closely, and I saw also hanging around his neck a cross. And I thought, isn't that interesting? He wants to make sure that he doesn't leave anything out. Just in case. What is it that we want to make room for lots of gods just in case the Mercury News was doing an article on the Hindu faith. And they talked to a person who, uh, that was their faith. And they said, they have room for lots of gods. That's why adding Jesus to the, all the other gods, it doesn't bother them. In fact, this is what he said. He said, we belong to a religion that has many gods and goddesses. For us and our children, Jesus is just one more addition to our pantheon of gods. Lots of gods. And yet right here at the very first commandment, and the God of the Bible says, wait a second, I don't want to be one among the many. I want to be the one and only. I am Yahweh. Everything exists because of me. I have delivered you from slavery. No other gods besides me, before me. Get these other gods out of my face. I want to be the object of your ultimate devotion, your ultimate affection, and your ultimate worship. Jesus turns this around, and he lists it in a positive way when he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God. With all, not with some, but with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That that's the greatest commandment. To keep the main thing, the main thing. But why should we? The main thing. Say that with me. The main thing. But why is that such a big deal to God? Have you ever wondered about that? I read about a little boy who was uh, at, at dinner, and at dinner, he said a bad word that he had heard at school that day, and his parents were not happy. It was one of those words. You know those words. And so what the mom did was send the little boy up to his room. Now, at least she didn't make him wash his mouth out with soap. We all know what that's like. She sends him to the room, and while he's in the room, this thunderstorm moves in, and I mean, it's really rocking the house. Thunder and lightning, and now the mom's worried. How's the little boy doing? So she goes up to where the little boy's at, and she gently, quietly opens the door, and she can see him looking out the window at the raging storm, and she hears him say under his breath, gee whiz, God. All this for one little word? <laughs> Just seemed like an overreaction. And when you hear God say, get these other gods out of my face, whoa. 
What is this about God wanting to be exclusive? Well, when we look a little bit about how the Bible describes our relationship with God, maybe we'll find a clue. The Bible gives different images of the way we're connected to God. For example, sometimes it says that we are like the clay and God is like the potter. Other times it says that we are like sheep and God is like the shepherd. Other times it says that we are like children and God is like our father. And still other times it says that God is like the husband and we are like God's bride. And it seems to me every time, well, it takes sort of a step up. It's one thing to be clay to a potter. It's another thing to be sheep to a shepherd. It's a better thing to be a child to a father, but is there anything more special than God looking at you and saying, I desire to be connected to you so much. I have a love that is so great for you that the connection we have is like a marriage bond. And in that we find a clue as to why the first commandment is so important. Recently, I went out to see my son who lives in Utah, and I drove to Vegas, and then I rented a car, and I was on the road, and I was trying to find a station, and country music was on. And so I'm listening to this country station, and a song comes on I've never heard before called Old Red by Blake Shelton. And here's what the song's about. This man goes to prison in the South, and at that prison, he, well, there's a dog by the name of Old Red, and that dog helps to keep those prisoners in prison. If they run off, he tracks them down. And so what the prisoner does is he comes up with an idea, and he calls his cousin, and he tells his cousin to bring down a female dog. And so now the female dog is hanging around outside the prison and old red takes a liking to her. And that's how the prisoner makes his escape. He makes his escape while old red is out on a date. And the last line of the song says this. It says, love got me in here and love got me out. You gotta love country music. But how did love get him in there? Well, you have to go back to the start of the song, and it reads this way. Well, I caught my wife with another man, and it cost me 99 on a prison farm in Georgia close to the Florida line. Even country music recognized that there's something sacred, something exclusive in a marriage bond. And that's why the first commandment is such a big deal. To allow other gods to move into our lives is like allowing another man or woman to move into the marriage. And God says, I want to be your exclusive partner. I'm married to you. I'll be faithful to you, I'll love you, I'll be loyal to you, I'll protect you, I'll watch over you, but I want you to be exclusive in your devotion to me. Isaiah chapter 54 verse five says this. It says, I made you, I'm now your husband. My name is the Lord who rules over all. What an invitation we have to be connected in such a way to God. Can we give him praise? Amen. That's how much we matter to God. I will be a husband to you. So that's why that first commandment makes sense and why it's so important. But that brings us to the how. How do we keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing? Say that with me. The main thing. How do we do it? Well, let me use this bicycle tire to help us get our arms around it. Let's say this bicycle tire represents your life. 
And this is the hub. This is what is at the center of your life. And of course, these are the spokes. And the spokes represent all of God's good gifts in your life. And now, God is meant to be at the center. And all of the spokes flow out from his good gifts. But what can happen in our lives is this. I take one of these spokes and I bow down to it. I worship it. And I turn the good gift of God into something bad. And I move the spoke from here to the center And now my life gets off center. And we can do this in all kinds of ways. Money is a good gift of God. Sex is a good gift of God. Power is a good gift of God. Food is a good gift of God. But when it moves from being a spoke to the center, science is a good gift of God. Education is a good gift of God. Career is a good gift of God. Politics can be a good gift of God, but when I take it from being a spoke and moving it to the center, you know, fitness can be a good gift of God. Fame can be a good gift of God. Football's a good gift of God. Even family, family, if I take family and move it from a spoke into the center, I heard about these two buddies who were, uh, they were talking and one of the buddies said, you know, my wife, when I come home from work, she treats me like a god. And his other buddy thought, wow, that's pretty cool. He said, yeah, when I sit down for, win- for dinner, she brings me a burnt offering every time. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm in trouble when I get home. I love my wife. I love my family. But if my family ever moves from a spoke to the center... I will crush them under my expectations because they simply cannot deliver what only God can do. They can't. My wife can be a good wife to me, but she can't be a good God to me. And that's why it is so very important. One of the greatest tests of this in Scripture It's a bit of a strange story, a mysterious story. It only happens in this way one time. It's when Abraham is asked to take his son, the son of promise, and place him on the altar as a sacrifice before God. Now, Isaac was the promised son. He was the gift of God. He was the one God had blessed Abraham with this child. And so this just seems to make no sense. What is up with this? It seems like the commandment of God is in conflict with the, with the uh, promise of God. What's going on here? And what's really going on here is a test. What's at the center of your life, Abraham? Because God knows if Isaac is at the center It's not only going to destroy Isaac, it's going to destroy Abraham and everything about God's purpose and future for them. So God gives him this test, and you know what happens. Abraham passes the test with flying colors, and his son is spared. And God says after that, he says, this is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me. And have not withheld even your son, your only son. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And it just continues. And through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. Hallelujah. Let me ask you a question. What's at the center 
of that wheel for you? Is there an area that you need to offer up to God? It's a good gift of God. But you need to place it on the altar before God. Declaring that nothing, nothing, nothing in my life will ever take the place of God at the center. This is how we were created to live. And that's why life works best when God is at the center. Harvard did a study one time about the divorce rate and in America. And at the time, they found that one out of three marriages ended in divorce. They found that one out of 50 marriages, when the couple did the wedding in a church, one out of 50 ended up in divorce. But they found that couples who went to church, did you know today is National Back to Church Sunday? And so you're in the right place, on site, online. You've come to church. And there's something about being at church together that helps to center our lives, recenter our lives. And they found that couples that went to church together, that prayed together, and that read the Bible together on a regular basis, their divorce rate was one out of 1,105. It makes a difference. When God is at the center and as our team gets ready to lead us during a time of worship, recentering our lives on God, having God have our ultimate allegiance and devotion, letting God establish our values and our identity. You know, finding our ultimate hope and security in God and God alone. There's something that works when you have God at the center. I want to end with this. Does anybody recognize this? It's a record. For those under 40, you can Google it and find out. But it's not just a record. This is a 45. And in fact, this 45 is called a heat wave. With all the, the heat we've had in September, I thought that'd be appropriate. And so you remember how this used to work. There was a, a little plastic piece that went on the record player to make sure the record was centered. Because when the record was centered, it sounded like this. Oh, that's when music was good, amen. But when music was not centered, when the record was off-centered, it sounded something like this. Do you remember this? Now let me ask you, which record sounded better when it was centered or off-centered? Centered, exactly. How do our lives sound better? When they're centered. Centered on God and centered around God. And that's why God says, no other gods before me, besides me. Get these other gods out of my face. Keeping the main thing, the main thing. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me. Martin Luther, he used to pray the 10 commandments. And that's my challenge to you this week to take the first commandment and make it your prayer. God, help me to lean into this and live this commandment and keep the main thing, the main thing this week. And just to establish that this week is off to a good start, as Pastor Vaughn and the team lead us, I invite you to take your life. And if there's anything, maybe your ego has gotten into the center. Ego means edging God out. Take yourself out of the center. Get God back in there. Because your week will sound better if you do.
Oh, Jesus. No one but you. As we come to the table, Pastor E.C. and Shelly are going to lead us. Jesus, the King of our hearts, invites us to his table. And as we come to that table, we declare once again our allegiance to him. E.C., would you lead us? And Jesus, when he called his disciples together, he took bread. He broke it. He blessed it. And he gave it. He said, take, eat, this is my body. So that as often as you do it, you are reminded to keep me at the center and keep me the main thing. Let's eat together. In the same manner, Jesus took the blood. He said, this is my blood. This blood is for you for the forgiveness of sins, for the restoration of your mind, for the healing of your body, this blood is for you. So keeping the main thing, the main thing, Jesus at Calvary shed his blood so that I, you and I can partake together of everything that we need. Let us partake of the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite you to make a declaration with me. In the Old Testament, there's a man by the name of Joshua, and he once stood before the people, and he said to them, choose you this day whom you will serve. You may serve this God, or may you, you may serve that God. But we're going to bring that scripture up, Joshua, Joshua 24. Joshua makes this declaration, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And I invite you to make that declaration with me today. On the count of three, let's say it together, the last line in that scripture. Ready? But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And Jesus, as for me and this household, we will serve the Lord. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. And all the time. And the main thing is to keep the main thing. Here we go. You got it. Well, if you need more prayer after service, we'll be down here to pray with you and for you right after service. I love you, Cathedral family. And just have an amazing week centered on Jesus Christ and everything that you do. And we've got lots of things coming up, so I encourage you. Lots of ways to connect, grow, serve. Check it out. Let me speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And this week, especially this week, may God give you the grace to keep the main thing, the main thing. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. All God's people said, amen. God bless you to go, Cathedral.